0: I'm David Bank, and from Impact Alpha, this is an Agents of Impact podcast.
1: It makes much more sense to produce your own energy on the roof of your data center, your hospital, your shopping mall, office building, your house, uh, your manufacturing plant, and so on and so forth. That electricity is cheaper. It's more resilient. Uh, You don't have to suffer the instability of the grid that you you start seeing in some places of
0: the world today, like in California uh, these days. That's Emmanuel Lagareg, the Chief Innovation Officer for Schneider Electric, the French electrical equipment giant. We spoke about decarbonized, decentralized, digitized energy and the acceleration of that trend through the COVID crisis. Let's jump right into our conversation. Welcome, Emmanuel. Thank you, David, for having me. You are the Chief Innovation Officer of Schneider Electric. Um, and first, I want to understand what, what Schneider Electric is. Is and then I want to understand what a chief innovation officer does. So t- tell us what tell us uh, tell us what Schneider is. Well, Schneider Electric is a
1: large cap uh, that is a Fortune 500 globally, uh, with 140,000 employees, uh, 30 billion dollar revenue, 60 billion dollar market cap. So a large a large conglomerate, if you if you will. But we focus on two things. Um, number one. Uh, power systems uh, and over two, automation for five buckets: data centers, uh, buildings, homes, infrastructures, uh, and industries.
0: So you would be better known in France and Europe and elsewhere than in the U.S. But I think you know, if we look around our homes, we've probably got a, a good bit of Schneider Electric equipment in our houses. Uh, certainly yes. in our in our certainly in our utilities. Uh, in, in your utilities,
1: for sure, in, in large buildings, for sure. In the US, the brand we use most commonly is Square D, and I would bet, David, that there is something of Square D in your house. The fact is that uh, when it comes to the power distribution piece of Schneider Electric, there is something of Schneider Electric in one out of three buildings in the world. It's a circuit breaker, it's a UPS, it's a, a controller for an automation, uh, building automation system. Um, in a refinery uh, or in a data center, you would you would find our software controlling uh, the power systems or the, or the entire process uh, sometimes.
0: So you build a lot of real things and sell them to a lot of real customers. And as you said, $26 billion of revenues, uh, a major global corporation, and you are the chief innovation officer. It sounds kind of 1990s. What, what does the chief innovation officer do? What I'm doing for a living uh,
1: really is to try to figure out uh, what should be the the next portfolio of businesses for the company,
0: because we've all read Innovator's Dilemma, and you, we know that you are about to be disrupted by some up-and-coming uh, uh, startup.
1: Exactly. So, what what a best-in-class company in this indus- uh, industry is is an incumbent. An incumbent has had to be disrupted. So, so I'm spending seventy-five percent of my time on trying to figure out what's next. What would be the what should be the next disruptions? Schneider Electric should should try, test, uh, step into. Um, before getting disrupted by others, so call it breakthrough innovation, call it disruptive innovation. you use a lot of investment, a lot of uh, venture a lot of joint, joint ventures with with other companies uh, to, to, to do that. you just try to to create and figure out what's going to be the the, the next portfolio of uh, businesses for the company.
0: So you are at the center of what you told me was decentralized, decarbonized, digitized, electricity, which I thought was a a very nifty way to to wrap it all up. Just just break that apart for us. Well, let's start from
1: from the context, from the background here. The the consumption of electricity in the next 20 years will triple. Um, uh, So we are going to consume three times as much electricity in 2040 as we do today. Um, At the same time the total consumption of of energy on the planet will should be relatively flat uh uh will grow but not that fast uh so the world is becoming much more electric so uh and and where does that come from three major forces number one i.t data centers uh uh, we all consume more and more it every every day There, there are more and more data centers everywhere on the planet um they consume a lot of electricity, especially large data centers for, for cloud infrastructures. Um, in that uh, 2040 world of electricity, what well, data centers may account for, a third of the electricity we consume on the planet, number one. Number two, well, you have a phenomenon that we have been observing for the last 30 years, which is the emerging uh, middle classes in in many in many countries. And, well, as soon as you create a middle class in an emerging country, you raise the level of consumption of energy, and especially in cities, 3SE or, or other consumptions of energy which are very uh, geared toward electricity. And then last but not least, uh, electrification of many, many processes which today run on fossil fuels. Uh, and the most visible of all is going to be transportation, uh, the electrification of transportation of, of, of cars and trucks, which probably is going to go to relatively fast in the second part of this decade. Now three times as much electricity consumed in 2040 as we consume today, there is no way uh, we're going to triple the grid. We have to do three times more power plants and, and, and grid infrastructure is just not a problem of sustainability anymore. It's just like economically, it doesn't make sense. It makes much more sense to produce your own energy on the roof of your data center, your hospital, your uh, uh, shopping mall, office building, your house, uh, your manufacturing plant, and so on and so forth. That electricity is cheaper. It's more resilient. You don't have to suffer the instability of the grid that you start seeing in, in, in uh, some places of the world today, like in California uh, these days, uh, or in Australia. And third, well, you know what the electricity is made of. Uh, so if you, have, if you have a business and you have uh, pledged that you would decarbonize your business, well, you know that you're producing your electricity with geothermal energy or with uh, solar, um, uh, or whatever social use, but it's yours. You're you're not uh, dependent on the choices that someone else is making to produce their energy. So um, this is why we are talking about decentralizing, so producing your own energy, uh, decarbonizing. Uh, you choose uh, how carbonated you want the electricity you're going to use to, uh, will be, um, and and digitize. The only way for this to to be sustainable and for this um, new world of electricity to to, to work is you, you need a very strong digital backbone because the grid is not going away. Uh, we will need the grid. It's just that the function of a utility will be different. The utility will not be the power supplier anymore, but the utility will more be, will be more kind of a software company that balances load and demand depending on, on who produces, who uploads, and who downloads Energy from that grid,
0: and so the electric system as a whole becomes much more like almost like a internet of things, I suppose. A, yes, um, a, a distributed system, not the old kind of centralized hub and spokes from a big power plant, and that obviously creates lots of complexity. But I imagine opportunity for a company like Schneider. Yes, it's a it's a very good
1: image, a uh, very good analogy, David. The, the um, it's there are many many similarities with the decentralization of a compute in, a, in in a system. Um, and many, many of the disruptions we are observing or anticipating are very, very similar to the disruptions that uh, the, the IT and the telecom industry went through 20 years ago. Um, yes, opportunities for Schneider Electric because, uh, well, those are our customers. Uh, buildings, homes, data centers, uh, industries, they, they come to us and say, hey, Schneider Electric, and um, I'm not happy with, with my current supply of energy. I feel like I'm paying too much for my electricity or I'm tired of uh, all those blackouts and partages outages and, and I need to run my business and, and I want to have a reliable source of energy or I just sign that pledge in front of my employees, um, my shareholders, my customers that I would decarbonize my operation by 2030 and uh, my utility is still sending me uh fossil fuel-based um, electricity. So we we try to solve that problem for our customers. Uh, and they come naturally to us because, again, we have been the main supplier of power system and software uh, to manage electricity in, in their buildings and their uh, infrastructures.
0: Now, all of these things, though, were, you were doing um, well before we, you and I met last year and we chatted about some of these same topics. Then all of a sudden this year comes a major global pandemic that shuts down much of the economy for a time um, and forces a rethinking of many, many systems. So how did all of your future forecasting serve you well or, or not so well? And, and what do you see as, as this has all played out? This may have been in one of your scenarios. I don't know. But uh, uh, what what does this kind of disruption do to your thinking um, and your plans? Well, this is a scenario that
1: few, few people uh, anticipated for sure. Yes, I was I was concerned back in in march early april when when we realized that this was going to be a major a major health crisis and an and economic crisis I was concerned that that all that climate change agenda that that uh, let's solve the climate emergency let's let's uh, that that had taken a lot of momentum prior to that in the, in the very first months of, of of the year i was I mean, I was saying, okay, is that all gone? Because now we are going to first take care of our uh, healthcare system and our people, and, and this climate emergency will come to a second, uh, will become a second priority. Um, actually, that's not what happened. Two data points. Um, number one, uh, uh, so to, 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 to understand what was really happening, I reached out to the second largest developer of renewables in the world. Uh, so, European utility, they, they are developing like 50 billion dollar worth of mm, renewable assets across um, across the world and I call him and 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 ask him hey what, what do you think is that thing going to to accelerate or, or, or slow down the the uh, energy transition um, especially taking into account that at the same time we had a price war um, in the oil and gas sector and, and the price of oil was like at 25 I say hey, is it wh- where does it go and his point was, well, uh, first, oil and gas companies, especially European ones, uh, Shell, BP, Total, uh, um, were starting to look at renewable investments, investing in renewables, as something interesting, uh, where the return of our capital employed is uh, better than, than, than drilling oil um, holes uh, in the ground, which was not the case a few months ago. So his first point was, like, oh, I'm, I have new competitors now. Uh, now I'm, I'm, I'm not alone. Uh, developing renewables, I have a lot of people who are not with deep pockets large balance sheet and who come to my so so that's going to put uh a price pressure downward on on renewables so there will be renewables are going to to be cheaper um even cheaper than than we anticipated so actually and that was a bit counterintuitive for me but if you follow that train of thought that he was he was sharing with me, it makes complete, complete sense so actually uh that crisis and especially the oil, the oil and gas price war, uh, just accelerated actually the energy transition. So that data point number one. Data um, point number two: We made an experiment in Australia during the first uh, three weeks of a lockdown in in Melbourne and and in um, Adelaide. Um, we have uh, that software that can. Uh, taking into account well, estimated household incomes and the zip code and uh, where your house is and, and, and a series of, of factors, are basically guesses where if, if you're ready to switch to uh, solar energy and, and a power wall. Um, so we use that software, scan the people, and people were at home. And what we've all seen uh, in this in the last three months is that what well, people have been investing in the house, right? look at the results of the Home Depot, look at how people are coming out of the cities and back into the suburbs. Um, so people are ready to invest in the house. So we were calling those people. We were thinking we we're ready for uh, a transition to, to solar panels and, and batteries. Um, we had a 45% uh, success rate. So for a phone uh, for a phone um, sales process, right? So, in forty-five percent of the cases, people were telling us, "Yes, I think I'm ready. Uh, if you can install it in the next three months, uh, three weeks, the business is yours." Uh, <laughs> uh, and nothing, nothing has a forty-five percent success exactly. rate, exactly, especially on the phone on the phone sales system. <laughs> yes. So, we, and then we tried to analyze this. And so, of course, we said, "Oh, that we are, we are brilliant and our super software, we are, we, are, we are the best." No, but simply that just here again. Um, well, people are investing in the house because they probably understand that what is the money that we are going to spend on vacation is probably going there uh, and and second they are rediscovering the house they like it and they say, well, maybe I want to a, a more sustainable future and a more uh, and 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 it, and it's a better deal for me it's same as with with businesses it's cheaper electricity more reliable and and on top of this it's 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 greener oh and uh okay. third point sorry uh, uh, penetration of EVs, of electrical vehicles. Uh, in 2019, 2% of new cars in the U.S. were electric, uh, 3% in, in Europe, 5% in China. In the month of June and uh, the month of July, um, on the back of well, people not really wanting to take uh, public transportation anymore, and, and a lot of incentives coming from European governments, that 3% penetration of electric vehicles uh, became 9 um, so, so acceleration uh, rather than than anything else um, in all those um, trends.
0: So, acceleration of the decarbonization trend of the electrification trend. I think if I here's my data point, which was, um, as I understand it, the carbon um, emissions in 2020 will have fallen. And I guess the year is not over yet, so we'll see. And the fires in California may add something to the carbon, but the um, carbon emissions were going to fall at something like seven or eight percent. Um, and if you look at what people sometimes call the law of carbon, uh, to, get to, decar- to get to zero carbon by 2050, it has to fall seven or eight percent each year. And so it took a global shutdown to get. To seven percent, how can we possibly get seven percent every year without, hopefully, such drastic uh, um, side effects? So the question to me is: If you say things are accelerating, do you think we can accelerate at that level and really get to zero carbon?
1: I think so. Um, uh, of course, this this seven uh, percent uh, reduction has been brutal, and this is not something that that we can hope for because it, it's. We, we did that basically shutting down the economy and 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 with a lot of people uh losing their jobs and and, and this is, so this is not what the, the, the purpose right so so you want to be able to decarbonize the economy uh while generating growth um now it's possible um first technologies that enable that decentralization decarbonization digitization of our energy are becoming affordable cheap uh it's cheaper in in many places in the U.S., in half of the country now, uh, to produce your own electricity than to buy it from the grid. Um, So you save money. Second, it's more resilient. Third, it's more sustainable. Um, The other point here, how do you create growth? Uh, Well, we've been working a lot with European governments on on that topic, especially. Well, a lot of people are losing their jobs in, in in. Travel industry in, in in the hospitality industry, it's relatively easy to to reconvert those people into green jobs you know, people who would enable that decentralization, uh, digitization, and decarbonization of the economy. Managing a small business of installation of solar panels or EV chargers, uh, or, 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 or helping in building up the production, ramping up the production of of uh, batteries for 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 cars. Um, um, so technically, and, and from a cost standpoint, everything is there. Um, it's just about the business model and, and making it happen uh, and making sure that, that people start uh, going over, over the hump um, in, in uh, switching their car to electricity. Basically, what it will take is that uh, uh, the day you step into a dealership, you look left, you have that uh, uh, 30,000 uh, mid-sized car, uh, uh, gas engine, and then you look right. You have the same car, exactly the same car, electric. The electric has more autonomy, more fun to drive, and is cheaper. So that day, you just buy the electric. Uh, um, and that's probably in 2024.
0: Just to take you back to the sort of COVID disruption, you've talked about this acceleration, which I which which I take um, as positive. But you've also mentioned to me that it's also the acceleration of many negative trends that have also kind of come to fore. and. I don't know whether there's some kind of you know w- w- battle of good and evil here, but um, uh, but but there's you know strife around the world, disinformation, uh, polarization, division. Um, do you, as a chief innovation officer, you have to take those things into account as well. It's not just techno utopia, no. Oh yes, sir. Uh, of course.
1: Uh, yes. That, my my point is that
0: we have seen the the
1: acceleration of many underlying trends or many things that were going to happen in the next five to 10 years, Um, I've happened in a matter of weeks uh, or months. So many good things, Uh, telemedicine, uh, acceleration of the digital transformation of many companies, the fact that we can all work from home now um, and we can have a better uh, uh, um, work-life balance uh, as soon as we're not in in a lockdown situation or or confined in in our homes for too many weeks. Um, um, So a lot of good things. Uh, that will help all of us uh, be happy and live better lives and and, and longer lives. Now, a lot of bad things also have emerged, Uh, inequalities. I mean, during the last 12 years, um, uh, with that decade of of efficiency, uh, with a very strong dominance of uh, of the the, the financial industry um, everywhere, uh, and a very strong uh, economic growth, we basically have created a lot, a lot of inequalities everywhere, especially in in, in mature economies. Um, cyber security, uh, cyber security attacks, uh, like like six hundred percent growth in cybersecurity attacks during the the first uh, three months of the of, of the crisis. So, yeah, we 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 we'll, we have lived an acceleration of everything that was probably going to happen anyway
0: in the next five years. I should have mentioned this at the beginning, but I think you're coming to us. Uh, you know, people might think from your accent and from Schneider that you're 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 in 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 Paris. You're actually coming to us from Hong Kong today. Yes, and 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 that leads to my question, which is, you know, how in given this context, given this acceleration, given the 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 original strategy, how do you go about you know looking for that innovation? Now? Yes, I'm in mean, Hong Kong because you know at Schneider Electric
1: we decided a uh, few. We said nine years ago uh, to abolish the notion of, uh, of a single headquarter. Uh, at that time, our headquarters was in Paris, uh, France, which is still where the company is is, is uh, listed. Um, and we said, no, we are a global company. Uh, we we have to be, especially our executives, have to be where the action is, close to the customers, close to to where the, the, to, to the future of our company, the future people, uh, the future managers and leaders of our company will, will come from. And I'm still spending a lot of time when I can travel um, in the Bay Area uh, or in Austin or in Seattle or in Boston. Uh, uh, what about
0: um, Nairobi, Lagos, uh, Sao Paulo?
1: Exactly. So and then then once we, we set that up, uh, I said, well, maybe now I need to, to look at Shenzhen and Beijing and and Shanghai and Hangzhou. Um, and, and so I took my family and I moved to our Hong Kong airport for for a period and maybe I'll, I'll go somewhere else after that. Now, the, the interesting thing also with that um, uh, that pandemic, the, um, the serendipity was a very important thing in innovation, right? So this is why the Silicon Valley, this is why the Bay Area is what it is, right? So it has been so successful and so uh, uh, so much of a, of a transforming force for for, for the world, because a, few, a very few people in a relatively small part of the planet. We are just changing the, the entire world, um, and you just had to be around uh, and to be a bit smart uh, uh, and to know and to know people. So, Serendipity was very important. Now, I'm not saying this is the end of the Silicon Valley, not at all, right? So, so I think Mark Andreessen said it: uh, <laughs> don't bet, don't bet against the Silicon Valley. Now, the point of being geographically in a, in a place uh, may be a bit less relevant uh, for for this type of innovation. So, you will see emerging places, yeah, just as you said, Lagos and, and Lisbon. Mm-hmm. Uh, is is a very interesting place, right? So a lot of people are going to Lisbon for the quality of life, high education system, uh, good uh, English skills, relatively good uh, airline communication, very strong internet communication. So, well, I can establish my business in Lisbon uh, and be happy. And 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 anyway, who cares? Uh, because if, especially if your business is about software, um, I was the other day with with a couple of corporate venture firms in, in Israel on Zoom, uh, because Israel has been shut down, I mean, locked down for, for the last four months. Um, the venture capital activity in Israel, so the funding of new startups in Israel has increased uh, over the last six months by almost 40%. Um, through the pandemic,
0: it's gone up, not down. Through the pandemic, it's gone up.
1: So everywhere else, in, in all the other major ecosystems uh, in, in the Bay Area, or in Shenzhen, or in or in London, uh, you would see a decrease of money being invested in in, in startup by 20 percent. That's that's what we saw in Israel. It went up. Um, why? Because uh, forever Israeli Israeli entrepreneurs well have been creating companies not for the market. It's a very very small market. So systematically, when they create a company, well they they, they do it for the U.S. or the European market. Um, so. For them, being stuck at home was actually an opportunity because they didn't have to fly that much. People, everybody was accepting that business would be conducted on Zoom or, or any other video platform, and so it has sparked more, more, more activity. So I think this is something we'll see, uh, we'll see changing in terms of uh, of uh, where innovation happens. I think it's a great news for for many many ecosystems, who which were probably not not always in the In the center of of
0: uh, of the action. Just to close, um, Emmanuel, I wanted to somehow see how if you could put this in a broader context of corporate strategy now being driven by these large mega trends of the future, and that I think sometimes people think corporations, large corporations, in particular, large global corporations, somehow. standing in the way of this sustainable disruption, as it were, and maybe having legacy businesses in things. I mean, obviously, um, fossil fuels, but all sorts of things. Schneider, at least from our conversations, seems to have placed its bet on the other side of that, that that, that the world is actually going to change in this greener, sustainable direction, and that that's a major opportunity for uh, not only innovation, but um, revenue growth and corporate uh, prosperity going forward. Is you know, I, I don't know quite how to ask this. How much of an outlier is Schneider in the ranks of, of, of major global corporations for having that view? Um, well,
1: I think it's back to, to to what we said at the beginning. It's it's the, the innovator's dilemma. So either you choose just to build uh, the best in class company in your industry, uh, you just uh, listen to the short term. Thinking of your shoulders, your people, your customers, and and and, and everything, and just uh, work, live, uh, I would say, live almost by the border. Um, and you can probably survive, my base like for, for a while, but it's not sustainable over time. If you don't start thinking who can disrupt you, uh, who you can disrupt, uh, what you can do different, if uh, this or that business you have in your, your portfolio is really going to make it, uh, 10 years down the road, 15 years down the road, uh, how you really create value for your shoulders uh, sustainably in the future.
0: Well, Emmanuel Legareg, uh, Chief Innovation Officer of Schneider Electric, um, looking out over the horizon. Um, we look forward to chatting with you again and um, uh, uh, catch, catching some of, the, of these trends and some of these disruptions. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, everybody, for having me, and see you soon. That's going to do it for this Agents of Impact podcast. You can read more about Emmanuel and Schneider Electric at impactalpha.com. Subscribers receive full access to Impact Alpha content, including deal flow, job postings, and members-only agents of Impact calls. Use the code BRIEFING100 to get $100 off at impactalpha.com slash subscribe. Thanks to Emmanuel and our producer, Isaac Silk. I'm David Bank, editor and CEO of Impact Alpha.